0: Good morning once again. Uh, good to be with you and to share some things that the Lord has put up on my own heart. And I trust that the Lord will use it to challenge each one of us. If you would be here and you know Christ, praise the Lord, huh? Keep walking with him. Allow him to use your life. If you don't, no better time than today to come to know Him. Uh, I want to thank you for your love and uh, in many different ways, encouragement. Uh, support and uh, just praying for us and standing with us and so as we uh, look into what the Lord's put up on my heart today first I want to look at two verses one Genesis chapter 48 and verse 15 particularly the last part but uh, this is where the one of the early prophets of the Lord was about to die and uh, he was putting a blessing upon his children. And the part I want to be, uh, bring to our attention is, he talks about his uh, fathers, Abraham and Isaac, uh, that they walked before God. And then he says, The God who fed me all my life long unto this day. And then the other verse is in the book of Philippians chapter 4, and verse 19. And again, a verse that you probably know by by memory. It says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And uh, with those couple of thoughts in mind, I want to talk about him, the one who has fed me every day of my life. He's the one that su- supplies everything that we have. Oh, we might plant the garden. We might fertilize it we might do this and that but if that if God doesn't want that seed to grow it's not going to grow if he doesn't want it to produce it isn't going to produce our son David uh, back a couple months ago planted the garden for me for Father's Day and uh, he said he planted I prayed and boy did God give the increase (laughs) we just had zucchini and tomatoes and squash and Peppers, I shared them with quite a few people that we know that were in need. God is the faithful one. And as I realize this and all the blessings I've seen in in my lifetime, to know that he is completely faithful. Completely faithful. There's ways that he saved us there in the jungles from snakes, from jaguars, from wild boars, and uh, from being caught in ambushes, and from being shot full of arrows, as the guy pounded up on my — well, didn't pound, but pointed all over my chest, showed me where always was going to shoot me. And I'm sure I, I won't go into that, because I'm sure I shared it with you before. But to know that he told me, he says, he's going to shoot me all these places, you'll fall down, the blood will come out, and you'll die. But now he's a brother in Christ. God is faithful. So anyway, that's what I want to talk about him. He is true, true to his promises, and when he says, he does. What a wonderful God to serve. Oh, not just, you know, now and again to throw a prayer here and there and ask him to meet somebody's needs, but to know him, to walk with him, to love him, and to allow him to love us. I say he's true, and he keeps his promises. He does what he says he'll do. And that's why I want to talk about him. So that you, that I, might be strong in him. With that in mind, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again today for your grace, mercy, and love. Lord, our biggest request right now would be that you would teach our hearts. Teach us to know you, to love you, and to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I mentioned a way that God is met our needs and protected us. And I'm not going to go back across too many of the stories from the tribe and the family and how the Lord brought them all through, as well as ourselves. Oh, by the way, for you that have been praying for David, uh, he left a couple of days ago for Georgia. First, he went to Idaho and took a the rest of a plane apart, put it in a traveling con- container and shipped it to Georgia. And that's where the base is. He went down there the other day and he called me on the phone. He said, Dad, one place has gone through on an interstate 65 mile an hour. And this car came through and just about wiped them all off. He had to go in the the center strip to get out of the way. There's a big truck there and everything else. Just thanking and praising the Lord for his goodness and watching over him. And, uh, you know, after he gets the plane well, it's down in Georgia, going to take it apart refurbish anything and everything on it that needs to be done and uh, equip it and get it ready to fly to Bolivia. So if you think about it, you might remember to pray for him too. Uh, But remember, Christian, be reminded, we Christians are in the world, but by God's grace, not of the world. In the world, yes. Yes. This is where we live. This is where we have our time to spend, but not of the world. Thank the Lord that we don't have to go by the habits of the world. He even tells us in First John 1, 11 and 12, love not the world. And you know the verses. I'm not going to read them this morning, but just to mention them to you again. I have told you about some of the times uh, down there in Bolivia how that Loimy was singing to her little daughter a new, new Christian course that we just taught them. Of Boda, how that he came in with his son way after dark, which is very unusual. And He brought his son in because Boda said, I was telling him about Jesus, what you've done for him. I wanted to make sure it was right, so I brought him in, can you help us? Oh, I could have said, oh, go home, I'll talk to you tomorrow, it's bedtime. But the Lord wouldn't allow me to do that. Piley came to know Christ that night, walking with the Lord ever since. They saw him down in Bolivia the last time and said just a real blessing, real testimony of the grace of God. I did tell you the bold one to be with the Lord now just over the last couple of weeks. Well, we were going to have to go out to Cochabamba to pursue either the medical needs or pick up supplies or whenever. And uh, I visited, we only had three believers at the time. This is after several years. And I went out to tell him I'd be gone for a few days, be back in not too long. Betty and I will be going out. And I explained to him I went over again the two trails. And as I mentioned to him, I said, you can go down the trail here and you come to the Picada. One goes to the good village of God and the other goes to the terrible place of the devil. I think I told you about that. And then I asked one of the believers, two of them were there with us, and the one's dead. Asked the one to lead us in prayer, and he did. But while he was praying, Tatatsimi broke in, or Tatatsimi broke in, and he said, God, I'm hearing about you, and I know the way to go to this spot, and I know how to go hunting there and things of this kind, but I don't know how to get to your village. So I thank you that I'm hearing about Jesus and he'll meet me and take me all the way. Man, God is faithful. Why shouldn't I want to talk to him and about him? Why should he not be the highlight of my life? Before we go any further, I ask uh, Pastor Scott to read a, a part for me here. And uh, if you do that at this time, please. Listen very carefully.
1: A nurse took the tired, anxious serviceman to the bedside. Your son is here, she said to the old man. She had to repeat the word several times before the patient's eyes opened. Heavily sedated because of the pain of his heart attack, he dimly saw the young, uniformed Marine standing outside the oxygen tent. He reached out his hand. The Marine wrapped his toughened fingers around the old man's limp one, squeezing a message of love and encouragement. The nurse brought a chair so that the Marine could sit beside the bed. Although the night, all through the night, the young Marine sat there in the poorly lighted ward, holding the old man's hand and offering him words of love and strength. Occasionally, the nurse suggested that the Marine move away and rest a while. He refused. Whenever the nurse came into the ward, the Marine was oblivious of her and of the night noises of the hospital the clanking of the oxygen tank, the laughter of the night staff, the members exchanging greetings, the cries, moans of the other patients. Now and then she heard him say a few gentle words. The dying man said nothing, only held tightly to his son all through the night. Along towards dawn, the old man died. The Marine released the now lifeless hand he had been holding and went to tell the nurse. While she did did what she did had to do, While she did what she had to do, he waited. Finally, she returned. She started to offer words of sympathy, but the Marine interrupted her. "'Who's that man?' he asked. "'The nurse was startled. "'He was your father.' "Uh, "'No, he wasn't,' the Marine replied. "'I never saw him before in my life.' "'Then why didn't you say something "'when I took you to him?' "'I knew right away there had been a mistake, "'but I also knew he needed his son, "'and his son just wasn't here. "'When I realized that,' He was too sick to tell whether or not I was his son. Knowing how much he needed me, I stayed. The next time someone needs you to be there, stay. We are not human beings going through a temporary spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings going through a temporary human experience. Author unknown.
0: Thank you. You think sometimes you don't have a ministry? Please look again. Look again, there's people everywhere. People everywhere, and the big majority of people we pass on the streets still need the Lord. Are we too busy to take time with them and let them know of the only hope that there is for them? Are we too busy to take time and visit somebody that's sick? I really appreciate what the the Marine did there. But then again, Christian, be reminded, we don't do these things in order to get saved. We do them because we are saved and belong to him. And he wants to live his life out through us. It doesn't matter where or when. There's people that need the Lord. Look at the people everywhere, like I said. And then right here, we have 66 books. 66 books of the Bible with 1,198 chapters. 31,173 verses, isn't there something in there that we can share with the lost world around us? Man, woman, young person? Man, you know, it thrills me when someone tells me that, hey, our little girl came to Christ, or our son came to Christ. It thrills my heart, of course, even more. I say even more when I see our children walking with the Lord and passing this same news, the same good message onto their children, our grandchildren. And the message continues, huh? Do we have time for people? Let me say this. God hasn't given us a life to fight, but rather a life to live for his glory. As Christians, why do you suppose he saved us? Well, he loved us, of course, and we know all that. But there's more to it, isn't there? That he wants to use every Christian here, every Christian around the world to keep passing that news on to others. Let me say this, too. You don't have to know everything in order to be a blessing. Just walk with the Lord and allow him to use your life. Wherever you go, whenever you go, just allow him to use your life. He can direct you. I've been in times where I've wanted to refuse the Lord. Up in the mountains one time years back, deer hunting. And as I got way up this, it was an old logging trail. There's a man sitting with his gun waiting, waiting for a deer to step out somewhere. I spoke to him and spoke back, everything's friendly enough. But he was hunting, he wanted to be quiet. I didn't want to use up his time. Maybe the only day he had to go hunting, I didn't know. So I went on my way. Next 20 minutes or minutes of somewhere the first ten in agony. The Lord reminded me, you didn't even tell me about tell him about me, did you? No, I didn't. I had all kinds of excuses. Might be his only day off. Maybe he wants a deer, maybe he needs to feed his family. Besides that, he had a gun. And then the Lord finally convinced her, and went back and talked to him about Christ. You see, the Lord wants to use it, but I was too busy. And I didn't want to interrupt his plans. I'd rather interrupt his plans and then see him someday in heaven, and not to interrupt him and the possibility that he'd never hear the gospel. Well, with all this in mind, I have a question for you. It's not really a quick question not really a trick question, but maybe it is. What if the rapture took place this week? Would you come to church next week to pray for all those that disappeared? Any volunteers for that? <laughs> I said it's not really a trick question. Maybe because causes us to think a little bit. When Christ comes back, Every one of us that knows him, we're out of here. One a day. One a day that's going to be. So we won't have to come back. It's too late. But it is a reminder that we need to share the gospel with people everywhere. I'll get to the message here before long. (laughs) Uh, While reading in the book of Exodus and Leviticus lately, I, I was reminded anew of how blessed we are to live in this age, this time of grace. When I look back there in the Old Testament, in those two books particularly, and many other places, there were commandments after commandment after commandment. This had to be done. It had to be done this way, in a certain way, not just the way we feel like it. And the uh, sacrifices, one after another after another. And with the sacrifices, the blood had to be taken. And applied in the exact way that God told him. Man. Christian, for by grace are we saved through faith and that not, not that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we, Christians, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Wow. What a place, what a privilege to be living right right here and right now. What a joy to be with you all. But not only that, to know that we still have the opportunity and the privilege to sharing this good news with other people. Wherever we go, whenever we do. Well, that's not very popular. Oh, why should we be concerned about being popular? I mean, it'd be nice somebody say, wow, I'm glad you told me. Most of them go walk away and don't, don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> That religious nut. <laughs> Hard to tell what they might call us, huh? What? As I said, the sacrifices were to be killed and the blood was to be used exactly the way God said in detail and obeyed. Then I ask myself, are the days of sacrifice over? Or are we still under orders by God to do what he says? Keep in mind at the same time, first. 1 Samuel 15, 22. we don't need to turn there, but he says to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. That means I could take my money, everything out of our bank accounts or whatever and, and give it to the church. And that's a sacrifice. But are we doing it in obedience? Or because like much of the world, they want people to know how much I give. Well, we're not judging that, but the question and the, one of those questions comes, as we see when he tells us in Romans 12 1, where Paul is speaking to the early believers, he's and letting them know, he said, I beseech you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice unto God. It goes on in verse two, he says, Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to prove when it's a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Wow, we're on the winning team, on the winning team. We don't have to brag about it. We just need to be thankful. So we see the answers. Let's look at what God tells us first of all, to be clear that Christ died for our sins. It's through him that we're saved. And in the book of Hebrews, we don't need to turn there either, but chapter 10, verses 10 through 14, 10 and 14, the price or the wages for our sin has been paid through Christ, already paid for. And I'm so glad glad and thankful as I think about this, that it shows our sin has been taken care of eternally. Not just until I sin the next time. As a Christian, he's give given us 1 John nine to take care of that. If we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's written to Christians. But then along with this, you know, one time when we were in jungle camp training uh, back in the early 60s, We were in what we called jungle camp because we moved out into the woods. We built our own house out of the logs, and uh, we did have a tarp that we could put over them uh, for rain. We was out there for a month, month and a half at a time. But uh, Dave slipped and fell. He was about three years old, maybe. Slipped and fell in a fire and got some really, really bad burns. Even to this day, he has scars of them. But uh, months later, everything was healed up, everything was all gone. And we had some other students over to our apartment for for a meal, and uh, some reason we asked Dave, would you like to pray this time? And he did, and one of the things, now this is months after the burns, and one of the part of his prayer was, Thank you, Lord, for taking away all my ouchies. Think of that. Think of that in the light that when God saved us, he took away every one of our eternal ouchies, if we can say it that way. Every one of our eternal ouchies was taken away through the blood of Christ. Wow, what a position we live in, huh? What a time of life to live. And to be able to have this message that the world doesn't have access to. It's there. But unless they come to Christ, they don't have the fact that we can commit our needs to the Lord. That we can trust him to meet our needs day by day. Some mornings, like most of us, you go to get out of bed in the morning. go, Oh, why am I even getting up? <laughs> and yet at the same time, he's the one that gives us the strength and the courage to get up and keep going. He's with us. He says, I'll never leave you alone. So as we look at that and think of these ouchies, God tells us what must be done first. And this is what we have to share with the rest of the world. 1 Acts 16.31, that they believe on Christ as their personal Savior and receive him as their own, as their own Savior. We know that in John 3.16. It's not a salvation just as sin the next time, or probably most of us have been saved five or ten minutes at least know in the flesh but our salvation is eternal in christ and we can thank the lord for that it's so wonderful that we should share it with others and i say should because we know we should but just being in the should racket doesn't get it done it doesn't get it done in john 1 11 and 12 he says Speaking of Jesus, he came unto his own, his own people, but his own received him not. Verse 12, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Think of that. In Christ, the moment you received him, you were accepted into God's family. I was accepted into God's family as one of his children. And he accepts us with all family rights, all family rights that we can cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. So now it's a matter of walking, walking in obedience in the light of his word. God, in his grace, gave us the Holy Spirit to guide us, to guide us, to lead us, and to apply his word to our hearts and lives daily. The eternal God is a refuge. And underneath are the everlasting arms. There's uh, some other things here, and again I get said to get to the message, but a lot of things to cover. Uh, Paul in Romans 7:18, and something we don't want to forget, that even the believers, we're still living in these bodies. And Paul said, In me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. In myself and in the flesh, I can't accomplish anything good. All the more reason why I need to apply God's word in obedience, and as the Holy Spirit leads us, do what he shows us to do. God, God the Holy Spirit, will never lead us different than what God's word teaches. Never. And he'll never lead us in a way that's going to tarnish our testimony or or whatever. But our God is all-powerful. That one that our brother read concerning the Marine, He just took time to stay and hold an old man's hand as he laid on the bed and died. I mean, as you heard the story, said to the nurse, who was that man? He didn't even know who he was. She said, said, what was your father? No, it wasn't my father. I never saw that man before in my life. Well, why didn't you say something? Why did you stay? well he evidently has a son but his son couldn't be here and I was so I stayed held his hand all night until he passed into eternity maybe people come into our lives that we need to spend time with as I read there or quoted Deuteronomy 33 27 the eternal God is our refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms the world doesn't have that we do we do, we can claim that boldly. It doesn't mean there'll never be any battles or struggles. Sickness comes all of our way. But we need to know that God is not out to get us. When we were kids, maybe some of you remember this too. There was always a boogeyman outside. Watch out for the boogeyman. If we were going to go out tonight to do something that we shouldn't be doing. I mean, we're from age up, my older brothers and sisters. My mom or dad would say, Watch out for the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're just ready to come back in the house. Ready to come back and in and see him because that boogeyman. God is not out to get you, Christian. He's out to work in your heart and in my heart that will walk in obedience to his word to do and to be when he wants us to be. Our God is so powerful. If he wanted to get us, he would get us like that. One we'll have to wait for a special time because he is all-powerful. There'll be no stopping him. We need to trust God and ask him to teach us not only the saving grace but also His keeping grace. He does love us and care for us. It gives us the privilege of casting all of our cares upon him, as we see in First Peter 5, 7. casting all of our cares upon him because he cares for you. What a wonderful God we serve. How great it is to know him. But let's not, let's not be stingy with that. And I think we're running out of time here. So, uh, you know, we don't normally look at how low finances and beatings and some of the things to rejoice about. But they did in the scripture. They count themselves worthy to suffer for his name. But let me say this. God does not have a Christian junk pile. Scrapyard. He considers you a vessel of honor to be used for his glory. That we present our bodies to him to be used as he pleases. Not always necessary when I want, but what he wants for me and he knows what's best for me. And it doesn't matter whether it's here or in the jungle or where. So with that, Maybe we just better uh, thank him for the joy and the peace and the comfort he's given us and uh, find that God is forever. And the verse in Romans 12, one that I mentioned, just repeat it again. As God says there, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Why? For his
1: glory and for our good. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege.